Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Happy spring break. Well, not so happy. You're here, aren't you? <laughs> well, uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, we have a family reunion here at Dogwood Church every seven days and uh, where we gather together with the church family to honor God in worship. And uh, on these special weeks, many of us get to travel. Uh, you know, we're in a community that has the ability to, to travel, most of us, and I'm, we're thrilled. So those of you who are uh, a part of the Dogwood family who are watching in on Facebook Live from places all over, uh, have a great time away. We're praying you have a great time of refreshment with your family and glad you could join us uh, at a distance uh, today. You know, Dogwood Church exists to make more and better uh, Christ followers who love God and love people here and around the world. Pretty much, if, if anyone asks you, what's your church about? We say, we make more followers of Jesus, we make better followers of Jesus, we love God and we love people. And uh, and so uh, this worship service is uh, uh, one one of the ways that we uh, we do that when we open the scriptures. We for probably the, the majority of you here, uh, hey guys, give me a little more in the monitor. I'm having a little tr- difficulty hearing myself. Thanks. Uh, we most of you here are already followers of Jesus, and so we're trying to uh, expose you to God's word and let the Spirit of God work in your hearts and make you a better or a mature, more mature follower of Jesus. So what's a mature follower of Jesus? They love God completely. They love others compassionately. They love themselves correctly. That's how you tell. You're becoming a more loving uh, person. So this is one of the reasons we do this. Pastor Chad Crouch, uh, a few moments ago, told you about another way that we do this. It's called our Dogwood Journey Classes. Uh, You have the insert here. And I want to take a second, too, to uh, tell you that so, a guy asked me the other day, what's the most important thing you do in your church? I said, the dogwood journey. Really? He said, what is that? I said, it's the most important thing we do. It's the, life, it's the life development process that we have of helping people like you and me uh, lay the foundation stones to become uh, a, a fully engaged, fully maturing follower of Christ, serving God's purposes uh, in in the world, and um, and so uh, it, this is not a finishing line. This is the starting line for uh, fellowship, meaningful membership in the church, belong, spiritual growth, the grow class, uh, serving in ministry meaningfully, the serve class, uh, living life on mission, sharing the gospel where you live, work, and play effectively. That's the share class. Again, it's not it's not a finishing school. It's a it's a starting line where we give you an orientation and give you the chance to make a commitment to spend the rest of your life living into this and growing in these uh, areas. It's the most important thing we do in our church. Therefore, it's probably, if you say, well, what's the most important thing, Pastor, you want me to do? I want you to complete this journey. And so uh, pull this out. Be sure to um, uh, sign up. And, and the sequence is important. First base is belong class. Second base is grow class. Third base is serve class. Uh, home plate is share class. It works better when you take them in that uh, in that order. And we're making a we've got a night coming up on the twenty eighth that's going to make it easy for you to catch your next best step with uh, Jesus. 
here. And besides that, we're having, you are having barbecue and it's pork. Some of it's pork barbecue. Am I right? Am I right? Which leads you to one of the other minor mottos of our church, which is, ain't it good to be a Gentile? And so, uh, pigs is good, we say around here. And so, uh, hey, a low motive is better than no motive. If you just want some good barbecue, sign up. I'm going to be helping teach the Belong uh, class that night, uh, along with uh, Pastor JB and several of our other um, team members. And so I hope you'll be a part. Well, the series that we're in um, called A Life That Wins, The Ten Commandments, is targeted at the majority of you who are already followers of Jesus. You're all, depending on how you, the, the tradition you grew up in, uh, you might express it differently. Uh, mine would have been, I've already been saved. Somebody said, I've already been received Christ. I have already been born again, or I've already been redeemed, or I have repented. There, the traditions around the world in, in Christianity express coming to faith in Christ, being converted in different terms, however you express it. Um, this, this series is designed to help you now move on and become a better follower of Christ, how to live a life that wins. For those of you who are not yet followers of Christ, it helps you understand why God gave us these commands to help you see you may actually need a rescuer. You may actually need a savior. You may actually need a God who would redeem you. And so uh, that's what we're, we are doing. And um, I want to remind you of the nature of the Ten Commandments because we tend to get these things upside down. We get them upside down. We think, we think, we tend to think, we forget, we forget, we tend to think that Christianity means that God um, takes good people to heaven. That's not Christianity. Christianity is that, G- that God rescues and forgives bad people. So who are those bad people? Well, couple of you are admitting it, but it's, every, it's everybody in this room. You know, it's the, it's, I'm glad he rescues bad people because that's the only kind of people there are. Uh, the script, Jesus himself said, there is no one who is good but God. And no one seeks after God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory uh, of God. So the good news is, is that people like you and me who are moral and spiritual fallops, have, that we now have a rescuer. His name is is Jesus. And so when we come to the, the, these, uh, the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments, one of the uh, purposes is they're, a, they're a, a picture of God's standard of morality. And when we understand them rightly and look in the mirror, we realize, oh my soul, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And um, so when God first gave the Ten Commandments, just as a reminder, to the ancient Hebrews... Uh, after they had been delivered by him from 400 years of slavery in the, um, in the land of Egypt. And remember, he did not come to them and say, when they were still enslaved, he didn't come to them and say, now, I have ten commandments, ten ways I want you to live, and I'm going to leave them with you, and I'm going to go away, and I'm going to come back in five years, and if you've gotten your act together, then I'm going to deliver you from Egypt. That's not what he did. No, no, no. He looked down upon them in their slavery and oppression, and said, out of my love and grace, I've heard your cry, and I'm going to save you and rescue you out of slavery. Now, in the desert, he said, once now that you are saved and free, 
I'm going to teach you how to live, how to relate to me and how to relate to each other. And that's the picture of the gospel. Once we are saved and free, he comes to us in his word and says, Now, I want to teach you how to align your lifestyle with the will and the ways that I have according to the scriptures so that you have life at its best. Not only that you have life at its best, but all humanity might flourish. Whether they all come to faith in me or not, even if they're shaking their fist in me, you, my people, can live in such a way that you will be a blessing to all people and bless all people. And so uh, in light of that, we come to our seventh week in this uh, journey together, and we come to the eighth commandment today. Now, I, I want to do a little straw poll here, a little, little uh, class participation and uh, on the front end, how many, uh, raise your hand if this is true. How many of you have ever had anything stolen from you? Raise your hand. Raise your hand there. Oh, yeah, most of you. Uh, put them down. How many of you have ever had any money stolen from you? Okay. How about any, uh, how many have had a bicycle stolen from you? How many of you have ever had an automobile stolen from you? Wow, 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 wow. Okay. Amazing. Hey, I, uh, I, a few years ago, I was reading in some magazine, I came across the story of a, uh, a fellow who lived in London, England, and, and he had had 15 cars stolen in eight years. I think he needed to move, uh, possibly, uh, from there. Uh, he even told the story in this interview that, that one day he was at the local uh, police station and uh, he was retrieving a car stereo uh, that had been stolen out of one of his cars. And while he was in there retrieving the stereo, his car that was outside was stolen. <laughs> so I, I recommend that he get that bumper sticker or, or make one that says, This automobile is protected by a pit bull infected with the Ebola virus or something like that. Maybe, uh, maybe that would work. Craig, maybe you should hand those out, uh, you know, and... Uh, some of you guys would help help with the insurance business just a little bit. Let's flip the, the test a second. How about, uh, how about this? How many of you would admit that at some time in your life uh, you took something maybe that was not yours and on, you did it on purpose? Yeah, fewer of us admitted to that. I'm raising my hand. I have. Um, well, let's, let's, let's do a little test. How about maybe just a piece of penny candy and the... You know, just a little bit of candy at the store. Yep. How about uh, an apple from your neighbor's tree? Yeah, we had a, we had a bunch of those in the in the last service. How about how about this one? How about at least one grape from the produce section at, at the grocery store? <laughs> wow, got everybody there. We're getting this on video, right? Okay, you've just been broadcast all over FaceTime live. We got you. Well, we come to the Eighth Commandment this morning, and it is the found, one of the foundation stones of a life that wins. And here's what God says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Do not steal. Do not steal. You know, God will reward a life of honesty. Look at Proverbs 28, verse 20 in the Good News translation. Honest people will lead a full, happy life. A life that wins is part of his plan of alignment for a life that, that wins. So, how do, so let's take a look at how do we steal. Uh, it's amazing how many ways, the number of ways we human beings can think of to, to do this. Uh, the one that comes to mind to most of our minds this morning probably is this one. Number one, by dislodging stuff from other people. By dislodging stuff from, from people. You know, Jesus, and we think about kind of brutal, violent, robbery here. Jesus detested 
brutal theft. And uh, he, he demonstrated it, among other places, in his magnificent parable of the Good Samaritan, where he described how robbers robbed and beat nearly to death a, a Samaritan traveler. Now, pr- most, like most of us in the room have not participated in, in uh, something like this and may never do something like this that we just described, but we tend to participate in more subtle shades of stealing that seem more acceptable to us. Because remember, as we go through the Scriptures, we find that Jesus takes these ten words... <clears throat> these Ten Commandments, and and He intensifies them. He elevates them. He internalizes them. He radicalizes them to realize, oh, my soul, I am guilty of this, and I need mercy, and I need need grace. So so we may be guilty of, of some of these more subtle ways of violating the Eighth Commandment, like this second one here, deceiving customers. Deceiving customers in the Book of Amos chapter 8 verse 5, the scriptures say this, they, they overcharge using false measures and fixing the scales to cheat the customers. You know, things like being a repairman and doing unnecessary repairs and charging for them or, or when a doctor might uh, on intentionally order unnecessary tests or a salesman skips over the fine print or when you sell a used car to someone uh, and don't tell them everything that's wrong with it. Deceiving customers. Or maybe a third way of violating the Eighth Commandment, this one, by defrauding employers. Uh, And we're not just talking about employee theft here. There are the little things of pens and pencils and paper clips and uh, paper and and this kind of thing. But also when we waste time on the job. If you've lived long as I have and you're still working, you're probably in a position that if you want to waste time on the job, you could probably get away with it. I mean, I could. You don't know whether you're getting your money's worth out of me or not. You don't. You don't. You don't. Um, uh, Joey and I were joking earlier. He asked my wife, Allison, are you keeping Keith in line? She said, that is not my job. That's way above my pay grade. Uh, You know, if God doesn't keep me in line, I'm I'm in a position now. I could tell the staff, I'm going to go visit the hospitals and get a book and a cup of coffee and sit on the other side of town in a coffee shop and loaf all day. You wouldn't know. See, many of you are in positions like that, that, that you, you can waste time on a job. Um, you come in late, you leave early, take three coffee breaks, take a long lunch, uh, and your employer is paying you for your time. Um, God says don't do that. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, he says uh, you have a bigger boss than you think. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. In fact, this is the key to, to improving your own job satisfaction, not only your performance, but your job satisfaction and your value to your employer. And that is this. If you have a job that stinks, you don't like it, or you have a boss you don't like, then realize this. If you're a Christian, do your work with all your heart as working for the Lord. You change bosses. Don't change jobs. Change bosses. Everything changes when you realize Jesus is your boss over your work. He's Lord over all your work. It changes everything about the way you do your work, which is a gift from God. Uh, There's a fourth way that we tend to uh, 
violate the eighth commandment of stealing, and that's this, by delaying payments. God says in Leviticus 19, don't take advantage of anyone, don't hold back the wages of someone uh, you've hired, not even for one night. Not even for one night. Pay your debts. Or here's the next one, the fifth way, by defaulting on loans. Psalm 37, 21 says, the wicked man borrows and never pays back. Uh, This applies to anything that we've borrowed, not just money. For example, we need to ask ourselves, what is it that's in your garage that you need to go home after church today and return to somebody? (laughs) No telling, no telling. Uh, uh, And there's a sixth way that we uh, find ourselves more subtly disobeying this command, and it's this, by deceiving the government. God says in the book of Romans chapter 13, verses 6 and 7, and for this reason you pay taxes. Since the authorities are God's servants continually attending to these tasks, pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those who owe taxes, tolls to those who owe tolls, respect to those who you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. Is it getting hot in here? I mean, April 15th is approaching. But now, um, you know, tax avoidance is good stewardship. I mean, there's no reason you should pay more taxes than you owe. Uh, there, there's no reason you should overpay taxes. No, and, and there's no reason that you should not plan to optimize the money that God has placed under your management. However, tax evasion is illegal. And God says, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, there's a seventh way that um, we Christians can mess up on the Eighth Commandment. It's this one, by defrauding the Lord. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, the the prophet Malachi, inspired by God's Spirit, uh, captured these words of God, and here is God speaking. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Now, well, that's a strange word, tithe. It's a, it's a word that literally means the tenth part or the tenth or ten percent. And God is saying that the first ten percent of all that we earn or our increase is to be given back to Him as an act of worship out of gratitude for His salvation and for His provision for you and for me. Why should I do that? Well, because I owe him everything. Uh, I wouldn't have anything. I wouldn't exist if it were not for uh, God. And so this is an act of defrauding, holding back something that belongs to God, uh, the one who is our life giver, the one who is our salvation giver, the one who is our grace giver, the one who is our heaven giver, our eternal life giver. And some of us defraud God of what is His. We rob God. Now, I want to take a a minute and explain what God is driving at through the words of the, the prophet Malachi. So, think of it this way. When a, when a repentant sinner, a moral and spiritual foul-up, just like you and me, when we Come, become, we come to grips with our sin and our separation from 
God, our failings before God, of falling from His favor, uh, he or she falls on their knees and cries out for the forgiveness of God through, through faith in the Lord Jesus and what He accomplished on the cross through His uh, atoning, sin-atoning, substitutionary, representative death for you and me in our place because of our sin and rising from the dead, proving He had the, the power to do so. When, when uh, he or she falls on her knees and puts her trust in the person and work of Jesus alone uh, to be saved, when she submits or when he submits to the Lord Jesus, fully recognizing that, they, that once he or she is rescued by Christ and forgiven and cleansed and adopted into God's family and given the gift of eternal life, that life is never to be the same now and into eternity that it was before. Everything has changed. There has been a conversion. I mean, everything has changed, not here and not in, and so it's different now and in eternity. Now, not only is he going to have a new rescuer, a new savior, a new God, companion, but a new master, a new leader, a new director, a new supervisor, a Lord over his life or her life from this point on. Now, God makes no bones about this situation in the Scriptures. In this situation, he says, Now, when you come to me, men and women, repentant sinners, when you come to me for salvation, you, are, you bring to your best understanding all that you are and all that you have and you, with open hands, and you lay it on the table, just as you are without one plea. All that you are and all that you have. And then, and when repentant sinners come and say, okay, here I come, and here it is, all of my sinful ugliness in my heart and who I am, also all of my time, all of my talents, all of my treasure, all of my resources, all of my relationships, all of my responsibilities... To the best of my understanding, Lord, I give all I am and have to you. I'm trusting in you to save me because I need a savior. I need a forgiver. I need a rescuer. I need a master in God over my life. And I am now to get, I'm willing to submit all that I am and have to you uh, forever. Then and there, the Lord takes that repentant sinner and works the miracle of salvation. Wow, do you do you remember when that happened to you? Do you? So I don't ever remember that happening to me. Well, we'll come back to that in a moment. But do you remember how he worked the miracle of salvation? Every salvation is a miracle. Sins are forgiven. Uh, sins that were scarlet are made as white as snow, removed as far away from you as the east is from the west. God remembers them no more. He indwells you by His Holy Spirit. He gives you the capacity to now read and begin to comprehend what His Word, the Bible, means when it was so confusing uh, before. He starts to transform your heart, your very inner being, your values, your lifestyle, your attitudes, your hopes, your dreams. He changes your eternal destiny from hell to heaven. I mean, everything changes. The miracle of salvation happens when we come to Him in, as a repentant sinner. And at that point, now that new believer says, Lord, I am forever grateful 
I am, I am forever grateful. This is wonderful. How can I show my gratitude? And the Lord says, well, you, you can show your gratitude to me several ways. By worshiping me, uh, by, by uniting with my church family and belonging to a local church and growing in fellowship, by growing spiritually to become like me in character, by serving in uh, the ministry in my church, by living a life on mission, sharing the gospel where you live, work, and play. You can do all those things by, by serving my purposes in this world, by altering your lifestyle until it conforms to my will and ways as I have revealed to you in the scriptures. Uh, all of these are ways that you can show gratitude to me for the salvation that I have provided for you. And then God says this. He comes back to that new believer and says, Now about your resources. Uh, you, as part of your coming to me, you offered them up to me. And I will now assume full control of them from now on. And God says, I want I want you to sort of be in charge of the day-to-day management and use of these uh, resources, but only under my supervision. I'm now the owner. You're the manager. I'm the supervisor. Uh, you're the manager. And the believer says, well, I wouldn't have it any other way. And then God says, now that I'm in control uh, and I'm supervising you and you are just managing, now that I'm the owner and you're the manager of these resources that I'm providing for you, here's my first expectation. Take the first 10% of all that you earn and give it back to me through the church you belong to as an act of worship and gratitude. He says, can I trust you to do that? That's my first expectation. And then after you demonstrate faithfulness in this simple request, then I'm going to, that sort of qualifies you to move on to my second expectation, and it is this. It's called the adventure of resource management. God says, I'm going to lead you as my follower into some exciting adventures of giving and receiving. I'm I'm going to have you give some money to some fascinating projects of mine in this world and to some unlikely people. And I'm going to flow resources back into your life so that you can continue this process of giving and receiving, giving and receiving for my purposes and your good and the good of this world for the rest of your life. I'm going to involve you in some daring rescues. I'm going to involve you in some fantastic answers to prayer. And as I do this over your life, your trust in me is going to increase. You're going to trust me more than you do your resources. You're going to trust me more than you do your resources. And you'll grow. And God says to the new believer, so are you with me? You got it? He's very clear. He says, you got it? It's kind of a three-step program. First of all, we become... We sinners become repentant sinners, realizing we need a rescuer, and we repent of our sin and we place our faith in Jesus, all that we are and all that we have as best as we understand it at at the moment. Second, uh, we sort of qualify for this adventure for the rest of our lives by offering the first 10% of our resources to God uh, out of our gratitude for the salvation He's provided. Third, we enter into this faithful, lifelong adventure of giving and receiving under God's direction for His purposes and His glory and our good. 
for the rest of our lives. Kind of a three-step deal. Now, here, right here, right here is where the, the eighth commandment, do not steal, comes into play. As, as God, through the prophet Malachi, is instructing us over the course of centuries, countless numbers of Christians have done something unthinkable. They have violated and frustrated God's entire economic plan and have taken that first 10% that God has asked for and defrauded God of that amount and taken what is rightfully uh, the Lord's for His unique use and spent it on themselves. Unthinkable. I mean, have you ever witnessed what I'm describing? And instead, they bought toys and trinkets and houses and cars and clothes and gone on vacations with it. And God says in this text and in other places, I feel robbed. We, His children, steal from our loving Heavenly Father who's provided everything for us. Steal from our own father. And so in this text, God says, okay. He said to the, to the audience of the, of the words of Malachi, and he says to us today through these same scriptures, okay, let's start fresh and turn around. And if you look at verses 9 and 10, he says, let's start fresh and turn around. Re-offer up your resources to me out of gratitude as an act of worship. Bring the full tithe back, back to me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a great a blessing on me that you will not be able to comprehend it. Just, okay, let's, let's start over. See, the wonderful thing is our God is a God who's of, of second and third and fourth and 83rd chances. He's God of grace. God of grace. And so that's what we do. Now, you may have found yourself in one of these seven ways or more of these seven ways, being a dishonest person who's lost your integrity. Well, no might. We all have. We find out, oh, no, I am a, I am a thief. I have done this. I have been dishonest at points in my life, and I've never dealt with it. How do we restore a life of integrity and start bringing it back into alignment with God? Three ways. Jot these down. Here's the first thing. Make restitution whenever possible. Make restitution when possible. In Luke chapter 19, we find the story of the Lord Jesus encountering a dishonest government official, local government official, by the name of Zacchaeus. He was, a, he was the local tax collector. He was dishonest. He'd been cheating his own people. Uh, he was hated by his own people. And yet Jesus encountered him, went to his home, and in that encounter, he repented of his sin and became a follower of Jesus. And in verse 8, he said this uh, as an act uh, of... Uh, that gives evidence that he really had repented and come to faith. He said, if I have cheated anyone, there was no if there, if I have cheated anyone, I will pay him back four times as much, make restitution. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this man's house today. How could I tell? Because his actions changed. His actions changed. Jesus was saying, I think the loose translation is, okay, you're putting your money where your mouth is now. 
And um, this guy is a real believer. How do we know? Well, he changed his actions. And so I don't know. Whatever Some of us need to do the same. Maybe it's office supplies. Maybe it's your neighbor's ladder. Maybe it's hotel towels. I don't know. But, but you know, I, there's times in my life when God, as a young man, dealt with some of this stuff, and I, made, I needed to make restitution. Uh, it's a good thing. Do, do so. Second step is this. Give God your full tithe. Give God your full tithe. Get your, get your, if you're a follower of Jesus, get it in alignment there. Again, out of gratitude and worship and acknowledgement of God's provision. The right attitude. Now, many of us, because some of us, we just didn't know. We were ignorant of these things, and we made some unwise choices with our money management, and we're not able to immediately start giving the full 10%, the first expectation of God in this resource area. Uh, well, just commit to obey, and then just start where you are and begin to make the life adjustments to live out your obedience. Does that make sense? Start with 2%, grow to 4%, go to 6%, go to 8%, go to 10%. And uh, But get, get to work on obeying God now. Remember, out of gratitude and as an act of worship. But stop robbing God now. And third, make a living honestly. Make a living honestly. Uh, the Scriptures say in Ephesians 4.28, The man who used to be a thief must give up stealing and do an honest day's work with his own hands. In the very last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, God makes the statement that no dishonest person will be allowed into heaven. No dishonest person will be allowed into God's family, into God's kingdom, into heaven. That means you and I don't have, we don't stand a chance. Because there's no one in this room who's not been dishonest in several of these ways. We we don't stand a chance unless we have a rescuer, unless we have a savior. And the good news is this is precisely why Jesus came. Because he knew we all needed rescuing. We all needed rescuing. We all needed a Savior. And He died in our place. He paid the penalty for our dishonesty. And when we come to Him and say, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a rescuer, He says, good, that's why I came. So you might need to ask Him to rescue you right now. Let's pray. Pray with me. Just turn the place where you're seated into your own personal place of prayer and say something from your heart to the Lord Jesus like this. Lord, there's no way that I can earn my way into your family, into heaven, because you said no dishonest people are going to make it, and I have been dishonest. So, Lord Jesus, I want to ask you to be my forgiver. Rescue me. Forgive my sin. Cleanse me. Reconcile me to yourself. I want to get in on the ticket that you purchased when you died on the cross in my place 
and rose from the dead. I put my trust in you alone. You tell him. And Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you say to us in your word, that's what I came to do, and you will do it. You said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I thank you that men and women and boys and girls in this room have called upon your name to be saved today. And you have done it. Thank you. Lord, teach us to follow you as best we know how. And from here on out, be at work in us by your Spirit, both to desire and to do what pleases you, to live a life of full integrity. Help us to pay restitution where needed. Help us to begin to pay the full tithe to you as an act of worship and gratitude. Help us to make a living honestly that would bless you, provide for ourselves, and bless other people in this world. And we thank you for these things. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.